me. My name's Dave. If you're visiting, if it's your first time here, welcome. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm the lead pastor here, and I want to just say Happy Easter to every single one of you, whether you're here in the room or watching us online. This is a great, great day. For those of us who are followers of Jesus, this is, this is what our, found, our faith is built upon. This is the foundation that our faith is built upon. The fact that Jesus came and he lived a fantastic life and he did some amazing things. He did some incredible teaching, but ultimately he died. Ultimately he died on a cross, but that wasn't the end of the story. Three days later, he rose again. He's alive now. We believe that he is alive and living within all of us. So we are um, so excited to celebrate. And we're so thankful that you've chosen to come and celebrate with us here this morning. So I want to tell you about James Smith. James Smith uh, graduated from the University of Southern Mississippi, the Golden Eagles. Uh, this year, uh, James will celebrate 20 years of marriage to his wife, Paige. They have three teenage sons. Now, you wouldn't think of this when you look at James, but he's actually a gourmet cook. And I say that because when you look at him with his big, bushy hair, big, 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 Big bushy beard, that's hard to say, big bushy beard, and the flat caps that he likes to wear. He doesn't look like a gourmet cook, but when you see the Asian noodle soup that he makes, the steak with chimichurri, the Swedish meatballs, you'd be amazed. Last April, James got to check something off of his bucket list when he went to see Megadeth in concerts. Highlight of his year last year. Like many of us dads, he's always looking for creative ways to uh, get his uh, sons engaged and off the video games. So recently he bought one of his sons a 12,000 piece Lego set. It was like five cities that his son had to construct. And when he has spare time, he loves to scuba dive and snorkel. And back at the end of 2021, he finally pulled the trigger he sold his pickup truck and he bought his dream car, a Jeep. It's the Jeep he'd always wanted, this, this beautiful red Jeep. He was so excited to buy this brand new red Jeep. Now, I have a little confession to make here to you all this morning. Um, I, I've never actually met James Smith. Um, the reason I came across him is because I, I recently uh, just found myself on this website that was talking about the most common name in America. And it was these people that had done this study to try and figure out, because there's a lot of common first names, there's a lot of common surnames, but these two people, they looked at censuses and all this different data, and they were able to determine that the most common name together is James Smith across all of America. That is the most common American name. So I got thinking, I was like, wow, James Smith, most common name. So I got on Facebook and I searched James Smith. And I discovered that there's loads of them. I mean, I was scrolling and scrolling all these different James Smiths. So I kept going until I, I found a James Smith that I had no mutual friends with. And I clicked on his profile and uh, just spent about 10 minutes looking through the life of James Smith. And that's who I introduced you to earlier. <laughs> that is the James Smith that you got to meet earlier. Just some random guy on Facebook. I know, creepy, right? But... Um, <laughs> Imagine how cool it would be, though, if somehow he was connected to one of you, and because of that connection, he's been listening online for the last few weeks and months. And right this week, he's at the gym. He's listening to this Sunday's message, and he's thinking, James Smith, that's my name. That kind of sounds like me. That is me. James, if you're listening, you seem like a really great guy. Okay, so uh, thanks for joining us here this morning at Connect. So why am I doing this? Well, social psychologists will tell you that I know about James, 
but I don't know James. Okay, they'll tell you that, yes, I may know a lot about James. He likes to cook, his family. You know, there's a lot I know about James, but I don't really know James. And if we think about the relationships in our life, that's probably true for many of the relationships we have. They could be the, the guy across the street. You know, you know how many kids he's got. You know, they like to play basketball. You wave. You know, you know how often he cuts his grass. You know, you know about him, but you may not know him. Your barista, some people you work with, you may know about them, but the people you truly know, that's your, your spouse, your parents, your best friends. You, th- those are the people in your life who you know. You know what makes them tick. You know what excites them. You know what scares them. You know what makes them sad because you truly know who they are. 2,000 years ago, there was a man by the name of John And John was one of the four people who wrote about the life of Jesus. It was Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And we believe that the John who wrote about the life of Jesus was the very same John who was one of Jesus' disciples, who'd spent three years with Jesus. This particular John, he didn't just know about Jesus. Lots of people back then knew about Jesus. Living alongside Jesus for three years, seeing him perform these miracles, seeing, seeing the incredible works he did, John truly knew who Jesus was. Not only did he know him, he believed that he was who he claims to be, the Son of God. So John decided after Jesus' death and resurrection, I need to write this down. I need to write my recollections, my account of the life of Jesus because I want others to know him. I don't want them, he was living in a time um, in the, the, you know, the New Testament time there where there was a lot of people who knew about Jesus he was pretty famous. People had heard about the things he did. But John didn't want people just to know about the story of Jesus. He wanted people to know who Jesus was. So he wrote his letter. He wrote his account of the life of Jesus in the hope that people who read it back then, and even to this day, people who read it today, get to truly know who Jesus is. So what he did was, um, part of his writing, part of his letter, he actually recorded these seven phrases that Jesus spoke throughout his life that all began with the words, I am. And the reason he recorded these phrases and wrote them down is because he felt it was really important that everyone understood and, and remembered what Jesus said because it gave a little insight into who he was. He didn't want people just to know about Jesus. He wanted people to know Jesus, the heart of Jesus, who he was, to even have a relationship with Jesus. And one of those phrases that John wrote down that's particularly relevant today can be found in John chapter 11. And he says this, Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never, ever die. John felt like this was a really important thing for people to know that Jesus said. That Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Because when Jesus said this, he was making this bold claim about his identity and his power. He was asserting that he is the source of life, both physical and spiritual. He was saying that through him, people can experience eternal life, even beyond physical death. When Jesus spoke about being the resurrection of life, he was saying there is more to life than just this. 
There is more to life than just this. There is an eternity that exists outside of our world. And Jesus says, I want to help you understand what it takes to spend an eternity with me because I am the resurrection and the life. And what's amazing about the fact that he said this is, is, is who he's saying it to. The context in which Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. You see, he's talking to a lady by the name of Martha. And Martha had a brother whose name was Lazarus, and Lazarus has just died. Martha was really upset because she'd actually reached out to Jesus, who was, who was a good friend. He wasn't a stranger. Martha and Lazarus, they were friends of Jesus, close friends. And when Lazarus got sick, Martha sent word straight away, Jesus, come quickly. Lazarus, you're good friends. He's sick. And I know you. I know of the miracles you've done. I've seen the miracles you've done. If you get here soon, I believe that you can heal him. You can take his sickness away. But sadly, we learn that Jesus arrived several days too late. And when Jesus got there, Lazarus had died. You see, Martha saw this as a failure. She saw this as Jesus not showing up on time. She saw this as him missing the opportunity to heal her brother. But actually, Jesus, he saw it as an opportunity to see an even greater miracle than just a healing. Because as he's stating here, as the Son of God, he's saying, I have power over even death itself. I am the resurrection and the life. That's what Jesus is saying. I have power over even death itself. But he needs to know if Martha knows this. He needs to know if Martha knows not just who he is, but knows who he is. So he asks her in the next verse, verse 26, do you believe this, Martha? Do you believe that I am the resurrection and the life? Yes, Lord, she told him. I've always believed you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who has come into the world from God. She's saying, Jesus, I do believe that you are the resurrection and the life. I do believe you have power over life and death. She has no evidence for this at this point. She just believes because she doesn't just know about Jesus. She knows Jesus. She knows who he really is. Because you see, the truth is, anyone can say anything, right? I mean, Jesus can make a claim, I am the res resurrection and the life. And, and any one of us can make any claim that we want to. For example, um, I wonder if you guys, maybe some of you don't know this or not, but uh, I'm a member of a CrossFit gym here in Washington. Okay, I'm a member of CrossFit. It's uh, the gym that actually meets just down the end of our building. It's just kind of that, that way. Yeah, it's not working. It's down there. Um, so... <laughs> I am a member of that CrossFit gym. Now, some of you here, you know me. You may have actually been at that gym with me. So, so you believe me. You know it's to be true. Others of you, you've never seen me at that gym, but you think he's a pretty trustworthy guy. I, I believe if he says he's a member of that gym, he must be a member of that gym. But some of you, you're looking on this morning and you're thinking, I'm not so sure. <laughs> it doesn't look like he's a member of a CrossFit gym. <laughs> and that's a fair point. <laughs> I get that. And for you, you might need some proof. 
So it may take, you know, the day when, when you have a massive tire in your driveway that you need moving or some ropes that you need shaking. And I show up and I, I flip that tire. I shake those ropes. You're like, oh, you are a member of CrossFit. Truth is, I've been a member for a couple of years. I've never flipped a single tire or shaken any ropes. Very disappointed by that. But I have enjoyed being a member. I feel like it's great to get there. and It's a great community and the exercise is good. It helps me feel healthy. Um, but I am aware of the fact that there are many at that gym that are a lot more crossfittier than I am. <laughs> That's quite clear. Sometimes I'll, I'll be there and there'll be some of them and they'll be, they'll be lifting something incredibly heavy and their face is like crunched up and it, it looks like they're in pain and they're like lifting it. And, and everyone's cheering them on saying, come on, you got this, you can do this. And then I do the same thing with the same face and people look on with concern and they say, Dave, are you okay? Should you sit? Do we need to call an ambulance? <laughs> so I get it. But the truth is, sometimes saying you do something or saying you are something isn't enough, is it? Sometimes you've got to prove it. Sometimes people have got to see it with their own eyes to know that it is in fact true. And a few verses later, we see Jesus prove that he is the resurrection and the life. When he speaks into the tomb and he says, Lazarus, come out, and out comes Lazarus, still wrapped in his grave clothes, risen from the dead. Jesus was the resurrection and the life. He calls Lazarus back from the dead, brings new life into him. Can you imagine that scene, the friends and the family and the onlookers just amazed at what they've seen, filled with joy, celebrating who Jesus was? But we learn that sadly, not everyone there that day was happy at what they saw. John says later on in 11 chapters, uh, chapter 11, verses 45 to 46, many of the people who were with Mary believed in Jesus when they saw this happen. But some went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. So from that time on, verse 53, the Jewish leaders began to plot Jesus' death. In that moment when Jesus brought Lazarus back from the dead, the countdown began. The religious leaders, the people who were angry and upset with Jesus, they didn't believe that he was who he said he was. In fact, they actually thought he was doing more harm than good. And the rising of Lazarus from the dead, that was the final straw from them. And one month later, just one month after this incident, Jesus himself is carried from a Roman cross to a tomb of his own. Jesus, the Son of God, is placed in a tomb. But this morning... The reason we are gathered here this morning with millions of people around the world on this day, the reason we are gathered to celebrate is because we too stand on the edge of that same tomb and we reflect on the words of the angel when he spoke to Martha and to Mary and he said in Matthew 28 verses five to seven, don't be afraid. I know you are looking for Jesus who was crucified, but he isn't here. He's risen from the dead, just as he said would happen. Come, see where his body was lying. And now, go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. You see, Jesus didn't just claim to be the resurrection and the life. Jesus didn't just prove that by raising Lazarus from the dead. 
Jesus was in himself the resurrection and the life. And Jesus conquered death when he rose from the grave. And that's what we celebrate this morning. His new life can mean your new life. His new life can mean my new life, your new life, our new life, because of what Jesus did for us. He is the resurrection and the life. You know, the truth is that even though Lazarus came back from the grave, he still one day died again, as will we all. We cannot stop death from happening. But what Jesus did when he died and rose again was made sure that death wasn't the end. He cleared a path for us so that we can be with him. We can experience that same life. For those of us who have lost loved ones, we will be reunited one day because Jesus is the resurrection and the life. But when we leave here today, every single one of us has a question we have to answer. Every one of us here this morning has to answer this question. The question is, do I know about Jesus or do I know Jesus? Because there's a difference. Do I know about Jesus or do I know Jesus? If somehow I came across James Smith one day and I recognized him from his big bushy beard and his flat cap, I could go up to him and say, James, James Smith, right? He'd go, yeah. I'd say, dude, how's the scuba diving? Did your son ever finish off the Lego set? How's that red Jeep? I mean, he would be freaking out. He's like, who are you? Because there's a lot of stuff I know about James Smith, but the reason he freaks out is because I don't know James Smith. I know about him, but I don't know him. Many of us here this morning, we may know a lot about Jesus, and that's wonderful, but the truth is he wants you to know him intimately. He wants a relationship with every single one of us here this morning. I want to share a, a wonderful story about a great couple here at Connect, Joe and Laura. And their story kind of is like that. They, they lived their lives kind of knowing about Jesus, but just recently they've come to know him personally. And they're going to tell the story of how that happened. Check this out. Baptism is the thing to do so that you can openly, you know, profess your love for Jesus and say, I want to be a follower, so that's where, I, where we decided to go. My family did not go to church. Uh, you know, they tried a couple times, I believe, and then just never found a home. And for my family, I think when my father was Catholic, uh, grew up Catholic, my mother grew up Lutheran, and when they got married and, and had me, I don't know of a time that we ever even like attempted to go to church. Our son was getting married and uh, you know we didn't have all the background and everything to it and then we ended up going to their wedding and while we we're sitting there we listened to this pastor and he was pretty funny and kind of entertaining and we thought you know I had a great accent. Yeah so we decided you know we would kind of try this church and our daughter-in-law was going to this church before that. So we asked her if we could kind of tag along and she said, sure. 
So we ended up coming and we've been here ever since. The Alpha Group was was a was an eye opener for me and basically it was it was the ability to start in the beginning and figure out some things that I had never never knew, right? I mean not growing up going to church, you didn't know any of that stuff. That got us in contact with a group and we're continuing with that group and that group's an awesome group we meet on Tuesdays and, and talk about the Bible and, and just learning more. God it was in my life all throughout my life, even though I didn't know it. And I don't I think without him being in my life, I don't you know, I wouldn't have been here. So I, I believe he was there and he had a purpose for me. I just didn't know what that purpose was yet. And I still really don't know exactly, but I do know that you know, I do love him, and um, he's there for me when I need him. And all I got to do is open up and talk to him. Some of the things that I think that have changed since we've started pursuing this farther, um, I've tried to give more things to Jesus, just get it off my plate, um, try to get rid of the anxiety, look more at the blessings, try to see the blessings out. And I think that's helped reduce a lot of stress and, you know, just try to see everything. Yeah. I've always been a laid back, go with the flow type of person. And I, I feel more generous now that I'm, I'm following Jesus. And I'm, that could be good or bad because I'll probably be really busy, you know, being involved and in, in doing things. But... I feel like I, I, I want to give more now that I'm following Jesus. That will forever be my favorite image, just seeing Joe there at the end, because it just sums up the new life that he can experience because of Jesus' new life. Jesus' new life can mean your new life this morning. I feel like Joe just sums it up when he does that. You know, believing Christ died, that's history. We can all believe that Christ died. But believing he died for me, that's my story. Believing he died for me is my story. I don't want you this morning just to know about Jesus. I want you to know Jesus because he wants to know you. He wants to be a part of your life. He wants to give you life and life to the full.